Ron and Anian. Have we talked about everything and anything not car-related now? Can we move on to what people tune into this radio show for? It's for cars. I thought, I thought it was for our humor. I'm feeling good. Car doctor. There is a known issue with incorrect spark plugs in that vehicle have a resistance issue, and they will cause the ASD, the automatic shutdown relay, to be engaged and turn the truck off. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 toll-free number. Give us a call anytime, day or night, and we'll leave a message. And you can leave a message, and we will call you back and um, get to talk to you up here on radio and solve your car problem. That's what this radio show is about. More information, of course, cardoctorshow.com and all the usual places for podcasts. We do podcasts, and we do stream live. Let's get right into it. There's a lot to talk about today. I, I Before I get to the busy phones, just a couple of quick comments. It was cold this week in the Northeast. I mean, it's seven degrees here in New Jersey this weekend, and I'm sure other parts of the country, you're going, ah, that's not cold, and some of them are going, yeah, boy, that'd be a warm spell for us. So uh, the point becomes that we're, we're in that time of the year where the driving season, it's a little dangerous out there in terms of the weather. You know, you get stuck in seven degrees, and you're not adequately prepared for it, or you're driving in seven-degree weather, and the vehicle's not prepared for it, it's life and death, and it can be. Not to be dramatic, but it can be. One of the things I've noticed of late is we're having a rash of TPMS, tire pressure system monitor faults at the shop. And it's a scenario that's being repeated over and over again. It's either a vehicle that we have never seen before, and its last oil change was done a year ago because they're going by the oil change monitor, and I'm not going to comment on that. That's not my... That's not what this is about. Or it was done maybe somewhere else three, four months ago, and they didn't adequately anticipate the change in weather. Or it's been done in July, and they don't understand why they've got to get the tires checked You know, once every couple of months. The problem is it's a problem. And it's, it's also creating havoc, not just for our shop, but for a lot of shops. I'm listening to other guys tell me that they're getting an awful lot of complaints you know, with TPMS lights, and people react to that light. Interestingly, any vehicle that I've serviced, me and my Danny, we've uh, serviced together in the last six months, seven months, we haven't had one vehicle come back with a TPMS light on because I guess there's no other way to say it. We anticipate the change in the weather, and we adjust our tire pressure add-on accordingly, high or low. And, you know, this is a New Jersey thing. Maybe the guy in Iowa doesn't care. Maybe the Iowa repair shop does it a little different. Maybe the Hawaii repair shop doesn't care. Maybe they do it a little different. The point is, tire pressure that was set in May is not good in January. It should be checked every 30 days, really. All right? You know, tires should be looked at and maintained, and that's that's part of maintain the car. That's part of what it's about. So, you know, if you get in your car tonight or tomorrow and you look up and the oil change sticker is you know, four months old, five months old, six months old. That was August, September, October. The weather was drastically different than it is right now. You've got to expect reasonably, if you haven't looked at them, 
those tires are going to be off pressure. There's no way they've maintained. Maybe nitrogen a little bit better, but for the most part, there's no way those tires are set right. Check them. Make sure they're right. Wait, do it now before you have the bigger problem later on. The other thing that I'm seeing on TPMS related is what's with the snow on the cars, folks? And it, it, it's an issue, right? This morning I was driving to the chiropractor. I was behind an Acura, a late model. Not all the snow was off the car. A chunk of ice came off the car. I swerved to the left to avoid it and almost got into an accident from doing that. And it was the human reaction of it's coming over the top of the car. You see something coming at you. Your, your instinct to survive just kicks in, and it, it's a problem. Now, I brought that point up to tell you this story. We'll, we'll kick the doors open in a minute on a little bit of a humorous note. I read an article this morning. It's up on us all over the news. Just go Google search Nissan's brain-to-vehicle brainwave system. Nissan has come out with a way it says new brain-to-vehicle system taps into driver's neurological activity to help ensure control and comfort. Uh, the first line reads, driverless cars might be in our future, but that doesn't mean automakers have turned their back on flesh-and-blood motorists. Now Nissan has come up with a technology designed to make more driving more fun for, vehicle, for folks behind the wheel, a brain-decoding system that gives the ability the Gives the automobile the ability to anticipate a driver's action, hit the brakes or gas to make a turn, and then initiate the action before he or she does. So imagine you're driving on the highway like I was this morning, and you see that chunk of ice coming to you, and you first you say it, then you do it, and you go to the left or right, uh, you know, and if I didn't have the human reaction to look to the left or the right, would I have gotten into an accident? Um, I, I think brain-to-vehicle, there's a lot I could say about this. We could spend the hour talking about it. We probably will. The argument being you've got to have a brain to drive. I, I don't know. We're, and there's, I think half the people in Washington wouldn't be able to operate a car at this point. Mr. Ray has a comment. Wait, 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 wait. You know how much time I put on the road. A lot of people out there don't have a brain when they're driving. Tom, I, I swear, this is a real story. They're going to put a skull cap on people and use neurological impulses off their brain to anticipate which direction the car is supposed to or want to go. What about with the guy that goes, ooh, shiny thing? You know? Well, yeah. What about the person? You know, I, I mean, there's. it's like, I don't understand why we're doing this. It's We, we have a hard enough time with cars with people that are driving and, and self-driving cars. Now we're going to have cars powered by people's brains? The more I learn about the future, the more I like my dog. Let's, uh, let's go over and talk to Ron in Rochester, New York. Ron, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah. Hi, Ron. How you doing? All right. What's going on? Uh, yeah. I called in. I like to talk about um, gasoline mixtures okay. between the E10 and E0 gas. Which, which, is, which is regular gas. Yeah, yes. Right. Yes, yeah. I understand Okay. Yep. okay. Um, like I told Tom in the message, uh, I recently switched probably around July-ish from the regular E10 to non-flex fuel, the E0 gas. Okay. Okay, and it's made a definite improvement. In performance and mileage? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, nobody ever says it won't. The whole uh-huh. the, the whole rationale behind E10, it came about, the technology came about at a time when it was the idea, in my opinion, from what I read, about conserving oil and, oh, you know, yes. and, and, yeah. and, and stretching the oil supply. You know, yeah, sure. one of the problems with E10 is it's very corrosive, and on older vehicles, older carbureted vehicles, and, you know, things from the 70s and the 80s and so on, uh-huh. it's just very corrosive, and it just, it ruins the fuel systems. It's just, it's not sure. great stuff for that. 
Um, oh, sure, definitely. You know, so do you have a specific question, Ron, or was it just the commentary about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, am I doing any kind of unknown damage to that? I mean, being that I have the non-flex fuel engine in here. No, I, you know, my understanding is non-flex fuel engines will run on E10, but it's not recommended. It's recommended to to run them on. But I don't know where you're going to get. Well, okay, you're in Rochester. That's why. All right. Uh, yes. Here, here in North Jersey, I think there's only one station that sells non-ethanol fuel that I'm aware of. Um, everything oh, okay. here is everything here is E10. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it's it it, it kind of becomes a. a um, What's the word I'm looking for? A, a no-brainer. You've just, you know, you're you, you're just going to participate in using it whether you want to or not. Um, sure. You know, sure. I, I think the drama of a flex fuel vehicle is losing its luster with so many other advances in, you know, ways to gain fuel economy and technology, mm-hmm. and and now battery and self-driving or electric vehicles and, sure. uh, you know, I I, I don't uh-huh. think that's as shiny a penny as it as it used to be. Um, I I I think that I agree with you, and I'm not surprised to hear that an mm-hmm. E10 uh, to E0, a regular gasoline vehicle that actually runs better and has more power. Guess what? It's running on gasoline the way it was originally designed. Uh, hello, you know, next. Um, so, but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if your if your oil change, if you're doing an oil analysis, if your oil changed at all as a result, because E10 is a little easier on uh, um, oil in terms of, you know, how it holds up. But again, it's... Sure. You're not hurting anything, not to my knowledge, not to my understanding. I would I would verify in the owner's manual. I'm sure GM has written more than enough reams of paper in your glove compartment there that will oh, ex- yes. explain the ramifications of pro and con. Uh, but in, in all honesty, in, in all my years of repairing cars now, and it's coming up on 43, 44, uh, you know, the damage we see is usually from an ethanol vehicle running ethanol or a non-ethanol vehicle running mm-hmm. ethanol. It's usually to the fuel system. Um, you know, maybe on the older vehicle that goes higher mileage to 250,000 miles, maybe we'll see something in the engine if it ever has to come apart for, for something. But for the most part, they all work. It all gets along. You know, drive it. Just do the maintenance okay. and, and roll on from sure. there. Don't think about it. Sure. So. Okay. All right, sir. Okay, uh, I have a couple other questions. Too sure, I'll tell you what, this. let me pull over and take this pause, and uh, when we come back, we'll get right into it. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. You know, before I get back to Ron in Rochester, I'm reading the article about the Nissan Brainwave vehicle, um, and it says. The brain is used for all sorts of things, so sorting out the signals you want, the noise of other brain activity is often difficult. Uh, this comes to us. This is from uh, Stanford University. Dr. Chris Gertis who's wondering if the system's ability to pinpoint relative brain activity will work. Um, I think the problem is going to be that we've got to find people's brains, uh, you know, frankly, because I just I just don't see it. Uh, it's 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 I just emotion. Think about this. I want you to think about this now, all right? We're going to allow people's brains and their thought process to influence how the vehicle operates. <clears throat> and all you got to do is think about the current state of the current, current, yeah, Tone. Like that gentleman we saw at the deli this morning. Right. It's 18 degrees in New Jersey, and he comes on, comes in with shorts on. Right. What's he thinking? Yeah. Well, right. Well, it's, it's you know, and how many times, listen, I was on the highway last night doing 45 in the slow lane. All right, I just pulled on. I'm doing, and this is a good story. I'm doing 45 in the slow lane, 
and I've got mom in the back seat, my daughter in the front seat, and we're just, you know, just out for a Friday night, going to dinner, taking it easy. The guy behind me is blowing the horn and, and flashing his lights like to pull over. Dude, I got the shoulder this way. I got an 18-wheeler to my left. I'm in the slow lane. Where do you want me to go? And he's thinking and driving. You know, it's... Unfortunately, it's they're going to wear a skull cap to, you know, attach to their... Yeah, Tom. He was driving. He wasn't necessarily thinking. Well, I was going to say, you know, we all, we all say it. And I'll say a clean version of it here on radio, but we all talk about where people's brains are. A lot of them are going to wear the skull cap where they sit. So, because that's just... Never mind. Let's get back to Ron. Ron in Rochester. I'm done. Although I can go, I can go on about this for the next two hours. It's. <laughs> I you, could join you, boys. <laughs> I, I mean, what do you think, Ron? You're going to trust somebody sitting next to you in a car with all these electrodes coming out of their skull cap, and they're which? What are they thinking, and which way are they going? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> uh, you know, the article actually goes on to say that they're talking about one of the future uh, uh, modifications will be that if the car gets too hot or cold, the person can think. You know, it's too hot and the air conditioning will come on. Uh, thank you, yes. Yeah, we need that. You know, we need, and then we're going to spend a billion dollars on campaign advertising to get everybody to go to the gym to work out and exercise more. So that'll be, uh, exactly. that, that's the way, you know, that's the way America works. Uh -huh. So you had a uh -huh. couple of more questions, sir. Uh, yes. Um, I will be shutting down the car for the wintertime in a couple more days. I'm going away for the wintertime. Okay. Any place warm? Uh, yeah, South Florida. Really? Do, do you need company? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, you're welcome to come down. I'm telling you. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. So the question is, how do you store the car? Uh, yes. Uh, would it be okay to still use stable in the gas, E-Zero gas? Yeah, I don't see why not. I don't even know if you need uh -huh. to do that. Are you going to run the car at all? Uh, no. Not at all? No. I I think I'm going to be inclined. What, is it going to be sitting for three months? Uh, two. Two. I think I think a little bit of stable, fill the gas tank, overinflate the tires, a good a good, you know, five, ten pounds. Okay. All right, split the difference. Fill it overfill it eight. Uh you're gonna leave the battery connected? Uh yes, but I will have a battery tender on it. Yeah. And I you know, I think that's all you need to really do. Um okay. you know, you might get eh, but in two months time it's not gonna be sitting long enough. Uh, you know, for a flat spot issue, that's almost mm -hmm. right on the border of it's not even worth doing anything to. You got to think about, you know, a dealer has a car in inventory sixty days before they sell it. Sometimes, although the argument could be made that car gets started and moved around the lot, you know, when they when when people see it and show it. So, but um, yeah, I think sure. that's all. I think that's all you need to do. Nothing crazy. Okay. Nothing beyond that. Okay, and like during the year of running, when I run it throughout the year. And I'm home. Uh, what about fuel injector cleaners? Would that be okay to use? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, carbon, and, and this is a conversation I, I could talk about this for hours on end. Carbon is still the biggest problem we're facing. And, oh, yeah. you, you know, yes. d depending upon uh -huh. the vehicle and depending upon the design system, if it's, if it's a GDI gasoline direct injection system or a regular port mm -hmm. fuel injection system, carbon deposits are still the biggest problem. Uh, that are that are facing the cars today, and it's you know a use of a good uh, carbon cleaner. Berryman products. Berryman makes a great uh, uh, fuel system cleaner. You can see more at their website, okay. BerrymanProducts.com. Uh, available at most O'Reilly Auto Parts stores. Uh, you know, it's 
it's it's what we're chasing. The nice thing about Berryman products is their Hess technology, and you know it it changes over time. They've changed with it, and right now I think they're on the cutting edge. Of, uh, and they have been for a while in terms of you know carbon cleaning because it's an always it's it's a moving target just as you were talking before about E10 and E0 gasoline and how the formulation of gasoline is always changing guess what if the formulation of gasoline is always changing the the the, the cleaner or whatever you know additive we're using to clean up carbon deposits is always changing also and you know okay. you you've you've got to buy a company that's got some engineering behind it and some thought process and that's what Berryman Products is all about. So, yeah, absolutely. I think on a regular basis, 100% yes, for that. Yes, yes sir. Oh. Yes. All right. Okay. And um, I'm also going to be getting it washed. I'll be taking it through a car wash. Uh, is it okay to wash the underside of this vehicle? Sure. Absolutely. I love car washes. People argue with oh. this. People argue this with me all day long. You know what? My 2004 Suburban's got 56,000 miles on it. I don't drive it as much as I'd like to. I don't get a chance. I'm always driving somebody else's broken car with you know scopes hanging out of it and meters and you know uh-huh. knobs and dazzles and all sorts of things. But um, I take that car through the car wash whenever I can. Still has that shine. The paint's still smooth. I think car washes. The technology there has come a long way. You know, as a matter of fact, I think in the spring. We're going to have to get one of the local car wash guys on, and he'll talk to us about how car washes have gotten better over time and uh, okay. some of that technology. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have with somebody. So, yes, definitely. Let me, let me ask you a question before I let you go, Ron. Uh-huh. Um, how, much snow, yeah. how much snow you got in Rochester? Uh, right now we have about a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. Is it, is it snowing today? It was off and on. We're in a break right now. It's partly cloudy. Yeah. What's the, what's oh, the outside temperature? About five. Oh, so you guys are having a heat wave. Rochester, uh, yeah. In January, Rochester? That's like, well, that's global warming for you. So <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so five above zero. All right, sir. Well, listen, I appreciate I appreciate okay. you calling in, and I appreciate your questions very much. And uh, thanks for sure. being a long-term car doctor listener. And enjoy oh, South absolutely. Florida, and we'll talk to you when you get back. You take yeah, good all care. Right. Thank you. All right. You're very welcome. Thanks, Ron. You're very welcome, sir. You take good care. You guys want to go to Florida? No, you don't want to go to Florida. We'll stay here in the cold. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor, and we'll be back right after this. Anything else to say about the uh, self-driving brain-powered car? Nah, we'll get off that for a while. Let's go over and talk to Paul from up in Maine, 11 Ford Edge. I'm sure we'll have something else to say later on this hour because I'm still thinking about that one. Paul, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, how you doing today? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, I got a 2011 Ford Edge. Okay. Um, V6, I guess, is in a six-cylinder. And uh, all-wheel drive. And I guess what's happening is... Uh, Normal driving, it seems to go pretty well, not too much problem, except when you try to pass somebody or you get on a highway trying to accelerate at a rapid speed. When that happens, the car seems to hesitate, and after a while, the check engine light will flash for a period of time, the car will run a little rough for a period of time, and then the check engine light will stay on, and the car goes back to uh, back to normal. Okay. Any, and uh, any, any I guess kind of, my any issue kind of is I, I just... Just don't know what to do with it. Any kind of diagnosis at this point yet? 
Well, what it is, I did have it checked out, and uh, I've been told, well, it's got 102,000 miles on it. You need a tune-up. Okay. And, you know, my my question is this, is, is I've, I've had several old cars, and some have spark plugs in them that's, that's been in there for a year and a half, two years, and never had any problems with them. Um, is, is spark plugs going to make that big of a difference on these newer vehicles? Well, it depends. If if you've got a problem with one, my my question really centered around not somebody saying you need service, but has anybody scanned it for fault codes and, and looked to see why that check engine light's coming on? Yep, they, they went ahead and scanned it. The first time they scanned it, it came up, I think, with a, a 300 and uh, maybe a 301 and 302, something to that okay, effect. Okay, so it's, it's got some kind of misfires going on. That's what they they tell me. Now, again, my question is, is that caused by spot plugs or could it be caused by multiple different things? Um, everybody listens to this show on a regular basis has heard me ask this next question a thousand okay. times. So you got a snowblower? You must. You're in Maine, right? Oh, I got a snowblower. If that gets to the garage, it's not being fixed. Okay. So when you start that snowblower up and you leave the choke on too long, what does the engine do? It, well, sir, I hate to be a, a, a smart ass here, but basically my kids do the snow blowing. I'm too old for that stuff. Well, but the point, but the point would be, I'll let I'll let you get away with it because of your age. Uh, I'm an old Paul. man. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but you get my point. The engine will yes, it'll, it'll, it'll misfire and stutter and load up. All yep. right. If it's got a bad spark plug, what's it going to do? Same thing, right? Okay. So yep. you know, if it had a burnt intake or exhaust valve, what's it going to do? Same thing. So a misfire. All right, or an uneven running of the engine can occur either mechanically for an ignition defect or a okay. fuel system problem. All right. The, the fact that your car engine is setting fault codes, uh, you know, is setting fault codes for misfire mm -hmm. doesn't automatically mean it's an absolute lock that it's ignition related. However, okay. all right. However, there's a there's a there's a there's a couple of ways to go about it, um, but above all else, anything else, if the car's got 102,000 miles on it, you're in that range of spark plugs as a requirement. It wouldn't be a bad idea to start there. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, if if you got a pencil and a piece of paper, sure, no problem. Take yep. a take a look at if your mechanic you know has some sort of information system, have him take a look at Technical Service Bulletin 10-17-10 from Ford. Okay. All right. Ten seventeen dash what? Ten dash seventeen dash ten. Okay. All right. And this one talks about misfires, hesitation, runs rough, setting multiple fault codes, anything from a P zero three sixteen, uh three zero one, three oh two, all the way up to three zero six, et cetera, et cetera. And the focus of this bulletin is about how the ceramic that that ceramic portion inside the plug cracks and drops and masks the ground electrode, creating a misfire under hard acceleration and load. Mm -hmm. All right? Is that possibly what's wrong with you? Sure. Is that yeah. guaranteed? No. But it's going to require some diagnosis beyond, I think it needs this or I think it needs that. All right. Well, that's what's getting me right there, the thinking part. Right. It's it's not time to think. It's time to diagnose, if I can say it like that. Yeah. One, one of the other things I would look at, all right, in a situation like this, if we were standing at the counter of the shop, is I'd want to go back and look at Mode 6. And I talk about Mode 6 a lot. Mode 6 is the behind-the-scenes, what's going to go wrong with the car before it happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you said, you said you're an old man. Your word's not mine, Paul. All right? So <laughs> yep. you're, you're at that point in your life where you get up a couple of mornings and your back hurts, right? 
All right. So maybe your back hurts on Wednesday, but you kind of knew it was coming Tuesday because you just didn't quite feel right. Fair, mm-hmm. fair statement? Yep, that's true. So your mode six was your brain saying, uh-oh, something's not quite right. i got to take it easy. And sure enough, the next morning you woke up with a stiff back. Mode six kicked in. It, it, did, it did an analytical analysis and diagnosis telling you that something's about to fail. All right? Okay. Car computer does the same thing. But using a good scan tool, and it's in a lot of scan tools today. It's not you know limited to any one particular one. Using Mode 6 data, some scan tool manufacturers break it down into everyday language. Mode 6 is, by definition, the hexadecimal machine language that the computer looks at in its computer language to decide, hey, where's the misfire? Mm-hmm. All right? You know, where's the where's the lean condition? Is it bank one, bank two, both banks? You know, who is it? What is it? Uh, okay. You know, it's it's like I always say, a computer cannot visually see what's going on engine condition. It has to see it electronically and then calculate it and measure it out. So, you know, if this were mine and I was working on this, I'd want to go look at mode six. I'd want to do a, a printout. And now, for, mo- mode six, is that an actual mode that's on the, the test, uh, yep, test equipment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's, 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 you know, it's in Snap-on, it's in OTC, it's in Bosch, it's in Launch, it's in, you know, it's in OE. It's in a lot of scan tools out there. I don't know of too many that don't have it. Um, the better ones, in my opinion, will put it into everyday language. So, you know, for example, misfire, misfire data for Mode 6 starts showing up around, uh, let's see, uh, PID 52, PID, uh, TIDs and PIDs, I'm sorry. So it's uh, TID 52, uh, SID 6, and so on. It's, I don't think I'm saying that right. But the idea is that it's written in machine language. Okay. And, you know, the better ones will break it down and tell you that the misfire occurred in cylinder number 6 or the misfire occurred in cylinder number 4. The, I- right. the idea is I can actually go in and see how it counted, all right, for conversation's sake. Um, on a theoretically perfect engine, you're going to see no misfires on that cylinder. Let's talk cylinder one. You'll see, you know, every test cycle. Maybe it tests the engine, that cylinder for misfire every 10,000 revolutions, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe in the last four revolutions it saw zero, zero being perfect. Then all of a sudden as it was testing and monitoring, it came up with 28 misfires. But 28 misfires against an expected accuracy rate of 36,000 is not bad. But it tells you something's in the early stage of maybe going on. Whereas the next cylinder down, if it's setting a fault code, P0302, maybe the limit is 36,000. But it's setting 36,001. At 36,001, it's going to report that code, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Yep, yep, I got you. So, so let's, go to, let's go to the third scenario. The reason I say look at mode six is because maybe cylinder number three, it's misfiring 35,999 times, and the limit or the threshold is 36,000. Mm-hmm. Is cylinder number gonna th- three going to set a fault code if it stayed at 35,999? No. Right? It hasn't reached the threshold yet. The right. limit's 36,000. It's at 35,999. That's right. why when a guy says, well, I know what it is. It's got a misfire on cylinder three. Yeah, did you look at mode six? No. Well, then, you know, <laughs> you might be missing most of the story. Beca- right. Because yep. cylinder number three may be the one that's reached the threshold of 36,001, but the other five cylinders on the V6 are all at 35,999. So what do you do? 
you know, do you focus on if you if you diagnose by code? And here's my long winded point. If you diagnose by code, you're now looking at what the computer, the thing that's broken, is telling you to look at. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at it from mode six and start to focus on everything, you're using the thing God put between your ears. It may not be good enough to drive the car, but it sure as hell is good enough to fix the car. So let's go do some mode six analysis. Let's get a look at that bulletin. Let's take a look at spark plugs, do a visual, or any of them got cracked porcelain, and work our way outwards from there. Call me back next week. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to, oh, I don't know if I want to talk to this guy. He's where it's warm. Walter in Hawaii. Walter, season's greetings, brother. How are you? Hey, season's greetings to you, Ron. Uh, Weirdest thing happened. Yeah. Uh, When I was under the Christmas tree this Christmas day, there was a note under there for me to call the car doctor, uh, and the notes were signed by Santa. So I'm calling the car doctor. All right. Well, listen, brother, we... And, and I'm being serious. You know, Walter, I, I, I know you need a scan tool in the worst way, and I talked to Santa about it, and Santa pulled some strings. And as a result of your efforts and all that you do to try and help people, because we know you're out there working on cars basically free of charge, just trying to be a good neighbor and uh, pay the universe forward, we've arranged, we've sent out a CRP229 launch scan tool. Um, it left It left New Jersey on Tuesday, I believe. Um, we put a, we put a little extra uh, surprise in the box for you, something you can wear, um, and uh, we want you to use it in good health. All right, you should you should. I'm sur- I guess you're not. I guess it's going to take two weeks to get there. We did. Well, that, that's we, great, Ron. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Listen, Walter. Thank you. We know what uh, we know what it is to uh, work on cars. You got to have tools, brother. Um, yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, let me turn down the air conditioner here a little yeah, bit. It's well, hard to hear yeah. You. I you know what is the weather like there today, Walter? Oh man, it, you know we're in the middle of winter here. Yeah, it, it must be seventy-eight, oh, seventy-nine. Oh come on, it can't like be that. that warm anywhere on the planet. Is it really seventy-eight well, degrees there today? It it might be seventy-seven. <sighs> I and you know it, it it's been dropping down into the mid seventies. So you know for about a week now. So yeah. I mean you know we've got the heat on and we're wearing our coats and hats. Oh, but God. you know you can only you can only dress up so much to stay warm. So we stay in the oh, house. A wise guy, eh? Yeah, a wise guy is right. <laughs> so you sure you sure you sure you can't afford to bring us out to Hawaii, Walt? We'll only stay three or four months. Um, <laughs> I don't you know, blame you. We, we, uh, yeah, I'll tell you like I tell all of my friends. You come anytime you want, Ron, and I'll make you a hotel reservation down at the Sheridan, and I'll have a re- reservation for you to pick up a car at Hertz, yeah, and you'll get the bill. That hurts, and that's no lie. So, well, <laughs> listen, Walter, send send me an email when you get the package. I want to know that it I'll got there. I'll definitely do that, Ron, and right, I can't sir. tell you how much I appreciate it. Uh, listen, I, I mean it when I say it, it. It takes a lot to do what you're doing, fixing cars for people like that. And uh, I just wanted to recognize your efforts because that's what this that's that's what life is really about, brother. All right, it's about okay. recognizing people. All right, you have a good rest of the day. Happy New Year's to you, Ron. Same Thanks to you. again. Same to you. You're very welcome. Yeah, they, you know, Walter's a Walter's a stand-up guy. He's out there hustling. He's trying to trying to fix cars. He's not charging people money. They're paying for parts. He's, you know, and he's trying to learn. You know, he's 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 an older guy. He's got a couple of years on me, and uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He's trying to learn. Uh, you know, teach the old dog new tricks, and I can say that with love. So, uh, God bless and enjoy the tool. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome 
Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, as we kind of wind things down this hour. Some notes, uh, courtesy of the folks over at Goitus Capital, Eddie Goitus, GoitusCapital.com. Um, Eddie released, he gave me a press release today. Tesla Model 3 delay raises cash flow risks. You know, and Eddie's right, okay? I talk to Eddie, uh, you know, sometimes I talk to him three, four times a week. Sometimes it's, you know, three, four times a month. But he always looks at everything from a dollar's perspective. And, you know, we talk about it. He says they could want to build the best car in the world. Can they afford to? And he's absolutely right. Tesla released December 2017 production numbers highlighted by 1,550 Model 3 deliveries below the street. That's the Wall Street published numbers calling for 5,250. Tesla said on Wednesday it would likely build about 2,500 Model 3s per week by the end of the first quarter, half the number it had earlier promised. The company now expects to reach its goal of 5,000 vehicles per week by the end of the second quarter. The Model 3 has been available for two quarters, and both quarters has missed production targets. You know, so we're trying to build something that we can't build enough of that not that many people seem to want, but I guess there's a waiting list. There is there. And we're we're burning through, and it, again, it, and he highlighted here, Tesla headed by Elon Musk's Australia Overcome Production Bottlenecks and reported its bigger ever quarterly loss in the July-September quarter. The company burned through. Tony, how much money you got in your pocket? $100. Okay. The company burned through, I think this is a little bit more than that, $1.1 billion in cash in the July-September quarter. And said in November it would spend roughly the same amount in the fourth quarter. It had about $3.5 billion in cash and cash equivalents as of September 30th. And what's, what Eddie's pointing out as he highlights these things in this, in this press release is the fact that they can want to build and do anything they want. They're running out of money um, to the point that you wonder how much longer they could go on. And that's, you know, I could tell you a story about Tesla. Should I tell you the story about Tesla that I heard New Year's Eve? Can I tell that story? I got to tell you this story. This is how we're going to end the show. And this is a little different, but true story, right? I'm sitting at a New Year's Eve party this year, and we were talking about cars and something else, and I nobody knew what I did for a living. And I just happened to mention, I said, well, you know, Tesla's going to take us to Mars because, you know, Tesla is, you know, the, the, the self-driving electric car, so on and so forth. And the woman across the table from me started telling me how we're never going to go to Mars and... I said, okay, why is that? This is probably appropriate because it's really different. She said, because we can't go there because of the nuclear fallout. And I said, what nuclear fallout? This is all from mentioning cars, right? She said, well, half a billion years ago or 500 billion years ago, there was a nuclear war on Mars when the Martians were invaded by an alien aggressor. And they had a nuclear war and wiped out the planet. And that's why whenever NASA lands on Mars, they always land in the desert so we don't get pictures of the destroyed cities. I mean, I just, I was just making a comment about Tesla. I wasn't talking about, you know. So the conversation concluded with that the Martians escaped Mars, and that's why we can't go there because the atmosphere has been wiped out. So that's why Tesla will never make it on Mars because people can't, it won't support human life. Of course, I said, so you're throwing the whole God and the Bible thing out the window. And we're going to talk about how, because the Martians actually came to Earth and we were all Martians. Um, And I checked. I was drinking soda and so was she. So I don't think there was anything in the drinks. Um, But that was my New Year's Eve story. So uh, more details to come. Hey, (laughs) what a fun hour, huh? Eh, Just doing something different. That's what I like to do because I'm Ron and Andy in the car doctor. And I always like to remind you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.